0: audio ground school podcast hey there welcome into the audio ground school podcast i'm your host nick smith founder and creator of part-time pilot online ground schools today is a little bit of a special episode it's a bonus episode now, I didn't plan this bonus episode, but the combination of our listener mail question today, it was a great question, one that I haven't really covered on the podcast, and it takes a bit to answer. So I thought that would be good to use as a topic for this bonus. But also, we have an announcement to make our $1,000 scholarship winner. So we're going to do that first. We're going to announce our next $1,000 scholarship winner, and then we'll get in to the listener question and topic, which is all about buying an aircraft. Okay, so for our thousand dollars scholarship, if you're not aware, we do we used to do four one thousand dollars scholarships a year to members of our online ground school only. We now do three one thousand dollars scholarships to members of our online ground school only. But then we do one, and this is the first year we did it in May. So the next one will be next May to anyone who is flight training in the U.S. And that one is I'm really excited about it. So this first year we we crowdsourced it. We're going to do that again. We take donations because the aviation community is just so amazing. It starts with a thousand dollar donation from myself. And then, you know, we just try and promote it and get as many people as we can to donate. This year we almost made $5,000 and we gave three people some sizable scholarships that really helped them get their pilot license. So, and next year you better bet your butts that we're going to beat that I think it was 4800 or something like that mark. So it's going to be bigger and better next year. We're going to do the crowdsource donations. I'm going to donate at least $1,000 for sure. And then now we're looking for some sponsors. And I have some you know, some ideas in there for me, some aviation-related companies that I'm looking to strike some deals with. And it's just a donation, which all none of it goes to me. It's all going to go to the students. So next year it's going to be even bigger and better. So that's once a year. Three times a year are $1,000 scholarships just for members of the online ground school. That's what we're announcing today. And so without further ado, let's get to those winners. We're going to start with the runner-up first. And this runner-up of the scholarship will get free ground school. So they'll get their ground school reimbursed. So it's about a $200 value. So it's enough for a flight lesson and, and then some. And so we're going to announce that first. So let's get a little bit of a, a drum roll here going and all right the winner the runner-up and the winner of free ground school is robin resha davis i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing your name but congratulations to robin the application you made was truly incredible i can really see your passion and your hunger for becoming a pilot through that amazing application and those amazing answers in your application so congratulations to robin on free ground school i will be in touch shortly on how i can get that done for you okay let's do another drum roll this is for the winner get that drum roll going for the winner of the thousand dollar scholarship is adam berlier again sorry if i'm mispronouncing your your name adam but congratulations you are the winner of our thousand dollar scholarship i will be in touch Shortly with the contact information you gave on how to get you that $1,000 again, your application stood out saw on there. You were getting your PhD really can tell that you're a go-getter and really push yourself. And I really resonate with that. So congratulations to Adam well-deserved and congratulations to Robin as well. I will be in touch with you guys here shortly to get you those prizes. Congratulations. All right. So congratulations to our winners. Thank you guys for joining the ground school. Thank you for applying and thank you everyone else for applying. If you did not win, don't worry. You're eligible for the next one, which is going to be just here in a few months. So stay tuned. Before we get to the listener mail segment, we have we got to continue the tradition of our segment of reading reviews. Now, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, We're going to read it here on the podcast. So we have a couple to read. This one actually didn't come on the podcast. It came through an email, but it was so great. And it's about the podcast that I had to read it. So this is from Blair. She said, just a quick note of appreciation for helping me pass the FA written today. This was a couple weeks ago, or actually last week with a score of 97%. I used King Schools to get my test endorsement since that is what the flight school recommended, but was consistently scoring between 77 and 82% on practice tests, and I didn't feel like I truly comprehended the material. I came across the Part-Time Pilot podcast two weeks ago and started listening on walks and in the car. The podcasts were super helpful, so I signed up for the online ground school and checkride. Checkride Prep is what she's talking about. I didn't get through all the ground school prior to the test, but I used it to strengthen the areas I was weak in, and ultimately received a 97% score today. Thanks again, and I made sure to tell the Flying Club and my CFI that Part-Time Pilot was very helpful in my preparation. Wish I would have come across it sooner, but looking forward to using it for my checkride prep. Wow, Blair, thank you so, so, so much for those kind words, and these are the type of, this is what Part-Time Pilot was made for. Stories like this, this is the exact, like, epitome of our mission statement right here is, all the test prep material out there get you to, you know, like be able to get a 70% or higher, but you don't really truly comprehend or understand what you're learning. Part-time pilot is not only going to take your test scores from 77% to something like 97% like Blair here, but also make all those concepts click. And the reason that's part of our mission statement, we're not just focused on the test scores is because we want to send up when you go out for your solo, your first solo, your cross-country solo, we want safe And competent student pilots up there. So by the time you get to that, if you go through our ground school, this is exactly what we want to hear. You know, the stuff, the concepts have clicked. You understand what you're supposed to learn. You know, the whole goal of the FAA, although the written may not do that, I've had a lot of conversations with people arguing that the written is just a piece of crap and there's no point in it. And it's like, okay, that might be true, but I mean, do you blame them? They gotta have some sort of tests. You know, the multiple choice is not the best way, but don't just take it as a test. Like use it to your advantage. Use it to say, hey, I have to, the FAA wants me to learn these concepts. I should learn it before, you know, I put myself up there during solo. So I am ahead of the aircraft mentally. So that's what we're all about is doing that. And then that way you only have to study it once. By the time you get to your check ride, you're all ready to go. You have an understanding of the concepts. And when they quiz you with that oral exam, you already know. So anyways, that was just a perfect epitome of what we're all about at Part-Time Piles. So thank you so much, Blair. The other one is Great Podcast, Five Stars. And it says, this is by No Land, No-Land. Dash This morning I passed my written and this podcast helped me a ton. When I didn't have time to study, i just play this when driving or whatever else my day had. The podcast has funny moments and keeps you interested throughout. They also offer quite a bit of free material, such as study guides. I'll be using part-time pilot Online ground school for any future ratings. Nolan, thank you so much. Another awesome review, and I can't appreciate it enough that you left a review and had such kind words to say. So thank you so much. If you guys want to hear your words on the podcast, go ahead and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts, and I will definitely read it out. Hey pilots, this is Nick again. Did you guys know that Part-Time Pilot now has a private pilot test prep book that you can buy on Amazon? It's a physical book that you can buy on Amazon to help prep for your FAA written exam. So it's like the other test prep books out there, you know, the Jepson, Asa, or the Gleam, Glime, however you pronounce it. It's just like those, but I called ours the ultimate private pilot test prep, because not only does it give you a synopsis of each subject, like the cliff notes, like those other books do, and then it gives you FAA written questions to practice and quiz yourself on to to prep for the test, but it also goes much, much further further and that's why we call it the ultimate private pilot test prep book so for each subject it also has a QR code so that as you're reading it if you want more information you can scan the QR code on your phone or your tablet and it will immediately pull up a YouTube video that you can watch on the subject there's also QR codes in there for additional downloads including FAA PDFs subject area checklists, and more PDFs from us that you can download for free it also includes a coupon code and QR code where you can go enroll in online practice tests for free and receive the PDF version of the book completely free. All that is with simple, easy to use QR codes inside the book. And then we also not only does it have the cliff notes of all the information, but it also includes mnemonic devices and visual aids such as diagrams, tables and images that are labeled such as like a METAR that is labeled every single thing that is included and deciphered in the METAR or a TAF. Also the performance charts, step-by-step labeled steps on performance calculation charts. So it's not just cliff note, bullet points. It's that plus much, much more these visual aids all in 404 pages in the Ultimate Private Pilot Test Prep book. And it is only $37. So you can go check that out on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes. So go check it out. Hey, pilots, this is Nick. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast, you may have heard us talking about core aviation headsets and how with the coupon code part-time pilot, you can get 10% off and free shipping. Well, I just wanted to let you know that that got better. You can now get 15% off and free shipping. So an extra 5% off on core aviation headsets. These are a fantastic... Beginner headset. Now I say beginner just because they are at a beginner price. You know when we're starting off with flight training, we want to keep all our funds for flight training because it is so expensive. And this gives us that affordable option to do that. But then it's not exactly a beginner headset because I have still had my core aviation headsets that I got way back when when I was student pilot. It's almost five years ago. It's still working great, and I've had zero problems with it. So with that 15% off now, use coupon code Part Time Pilot. I'll put a link in the show notes. But with that, you get 50% off, you get free shipping, you can get your very own headset for I think less than $100 still. So and or you can get their more advanced headset for less than $200. That is a steal. And it is way better than sharing those sweaty old headsets that have issues and connection issues at your flight school. So go ahead and check out core aviation headsets and use code part time pilot. All right, so let's get to the bulk of our bonus episode, which is influenced by a listener question. So this listener question, you can email us at team at part-time pilot, say, hey, I have a question for the podcast. Or you can just ask us a question on our social media, part.time.pilot on Instagram and TikTok. Or you can join our Facebook study group and ask the question there. That's where this question came from. And they were wondering, what is the best aircraft to buy for a beginner student if they want to train in an aircraft? So this question has a lot of aspects to it. It's like when people ask, how much does flight training cost? No one likes to hear that the answer is it depends, right? But that's true. You can't accurately answer it without knowing how a lot of things are going to go, right? How often you fly, where you're flying, how good you are, all this type of stuff. So it's kind of like that. So while I can't recommend a single aircraft, I have done a bunch of research on this same topic myself because my goal is to one day buy an aircraft of my own. Not sure when that's going to happen, but hopefully soon. And so I've done a bunch of research and I've read some books on it. I've looked out there and I've come up with kind of a guide that I've shared in our study groups before. it been a long time and so I wanted to dig that up and kind of update it and share it on the podcast. So here are the things that you want to look for when you're buying an aircraft. If you have a strong conviction that flying is going to be a major part of your life and you have the funds to purchase your own aircraft, it can be one of the best ways to save money in the long term on your flight training. However, there are a lot of things that go into buying, maintaining, and possibly making money back on your investment. So you want to make sure that you have done your research and you are sure about this investment. Okay, so that's the number one thing I say. Now, So I'm gonna break this down into one, two, five kind of steps to buying an aircraft. And the first one is find a dealer or private seller. Search online or find listings in papers and aviation magazines, Facebook groups and social media, like Nextdoor, something like that. Craigslist, those are also good. There's even some aviation specific ones. Look on there and find a dealer or private seller. You know, start making lists. Two, look for good candidates, and now there's a lot that goes into that, so we're gonna go into detail. You'll want to consider the overall condition, age, total flight hours, engine condition, reliability, spare parts, and price. The cost of aircraft can vary widely depending on the make, model, and year it was manufactured, as well as the overall condition. Usually, single-engine propeller aircraft are generally between 50,000 and 200,000, but this is probably even more since the time I wrote this you could probably put that up to 250 or 300,000. Depending on the aircraft you get, that could that could even be higher, right? I was just in I was able to go in a brand new Sirius aircraft and man, those things are sweet and this is why I can't just recommend one aircraft. Obviously, if you had like endless money, I'd be like, hey, you know, buy buy this aircraft. This is great. But some are going to be more expensive than the other. This one had it had the CAP system, the Cirrus Aircraft Parachute System that, you know, if you're in trouble over water, over mountains, you can you can have a, a chance to land softly and not destroy yourself in the aircraft. So that is a huge thing for me because I try and be as safe as possible when I go flying. And so that thing... That made me really have to have to think about it. But it comes with a large price tag. So anyways, that's kind of an aside. Anyway, so they can range a lot, right? 50000 to 250000 300000 But don't get completely scared away from high price. Okay, this is just like our conversation about, you know, when you rent an airplane. Sometimes some schools are going to have a high price, but it might come with better aircraft better instructors, less students so that you can always schedule that aircraft, right? Whereas opposed, if you go for just the cheapest option, the cheapest flight school rental rate might be always booked up, right? You can never reschedule. You can never get on the schedule. You know, they got instructors that are coming and going. Their aircrafts are always under maintenance because they're old and unreliable. So you get what you pay for. So don't always shy away from higher prices, okay? You gotta look at the whole picture. And that's what we're trying to do so, for example, if you could buy an aircraft for $75,000 that needs $50,000 in repairs in the next 10 years. So if you look at it over 10 years, which is a good kind of exercise to do, instead of looking at just the purchase price, kind of look at a 10-year price for that aircraft. So if you know it has $50,000 in repairs for the next 10 years and it's at risk of corrosion and doesn't have an updated avionics system, for example, so then maybe that's the $50,000 in repairs, that's going to be $125,000. So on the opposite side of that if you could spend you know 110 120 thousand dollars on a newer aircraft with upgraded avionics and no major risk of major repairs or corrosion in the next 10 years that might be the better option right so you want to look at it the whole picture and kind of build this case for each each aircraft be wary of purchasing an aircraft that has known faults or repairs needed so this is kind of going on with that you know if it needs a lot of repairs it's not 100 percent that after those repairs are done it It's going to be over. Aircrafts always need repairs. So be wary of that. And some of the more expensive repairs you want to look out for are engine overhauls or replacements, structural repairs to the fuselage, wings, or other structural components, avionics upgrades or replacements, and damage from corrosion. Also be wary of buying an older aircraft and just saying you're going to modernize it by upgrading to a glass cockpit. This is one of the major things, gripes, I hear about people who bought their own aircraft, you know. They said, "Oh, I'm just going to buy an older aircraft. I'm going to modernize it. And it's going to be fine." But the modernization can cost the same as what you pay for an old, old aircraft. Okay, it can pay anywhere from. If you just want to do a glass cockpit upgrade, that can be anywhere from ten to fifty thousand dollars. So again, look at the whole picture. Don't just say, you know, you're going to flip an aircraft just like that, like you're on some HD TV show. <laughs> you really got to look and do the math and do your research. That's kind of just a general idea you want to look for when looking at the price. But some of the things you want to look for that make it a good candidate is we're going to go over now. So first one is age and flight hours. Obviously, the younger and less mileage, the better. You want to look for the youngest and lowest mileage possible within your price range. Ideally, an aircraft would have fewer than 1500 flight hours. The next one is engine reliability. Research the engine model and manufacturer. Make sure it has a good reputation for reliability, and try to find common issues and failure cases with the engine type that you can check for on your inspection. So, if it's like a Lycoming engine, and you know, if you look up the the serial number and see, you know, do some research online. Say this is a common issue found with these engines. What does it cost to repair that? Has the aircraft you're looking at had those issues yet? If not, you know, maybe. It's due to come, right? If they haven't done an overhaul yet, maybe that's due to come. Same thing like looking into a car, right? And then you want to check the engine for hours of use, corrosion, damage, and oil levels. You want to check the squawks for the aircraft to see if there's any reoccurring engine issues in the squawks. So the history, maintenance type of history. And then check the oil level. And if you can, check the oil level on consecutive days of use. This is a kind of a hack. Once you get really serious about an aircraft, you know, ask if, you know, obviously you're going to fly with it or, you know, go up with an instructor with it. You definitely got to do that. And then try and see it the next day and start it up again after your flight. And or you want to see it after a little bit of use. So maybe a few days later and see how much oil it's used, right? Is it an average? You know, what does the oil look like? if it's depleted then you know something's up right it it could be leaking or there's some sort of an issue and that that's a good kind of hack to be on the lookout for the owner could know what you're doing so they could pour it in but what you can do is if you go up for a flight you can check the oil level before and really take note of it and then when you get back maybe after it's cooled down a little bit check it again If it's the engine still hot, it's going to be kind of expanded, so it's going to be hard to tell. But just a little hack to check that because, you know, if it's losing oil, that means there's something wrong with the engine. All right. uh, And then, like I said, check the engine logbook to make sure all regular maintenance has occurred. Note the mechanic and, you know, try and see if you can get in contact with the mechanic. You can ask them questions as well. I would definitely do that. Uh, The next topic is airframe and systems. You know, look for any corrosion or damage. That's kind of a, a theme on all these on every part of the aircraft. Make sure all control surfaces, landing gear, flaps, etc., are in working order. You know, just like pre-flight check, a deep pre-flight check on anything installed in the aircraft. Check for any dense things or other damage as it could be signs of an accident. Also look for any like non-linearities or symmetries. You know, it could be there was an accident and they had to repair something and they didn't repair it exactly. Symmetrical with the other side of the aircraft. Inspect the interior of the plane, including cockpit, seats, instrument, in, seats, instruments, nav, lights, and starter. Inspect the fuel system. you know, Make sure it's in working order. Pumps, carb, carpet, gas, glitter, drains, and look for signs of corrosion or damage. Inspect the pedostatic system. Again, make sure it's working. Check the appropriate instruments. And again, look for any corrosion or damage. Inspect the propeller for any nicks, dents, bends, damage, or corrosion. And check the airframe logbook and look for routine inspections, maintenance, ADs, or any repairs or accidents. So that's the other thing. If if the aircraft has a bunch of ADs, that's going to add to the maintenance cost of your aircraft. So you want to look for that in the maintenance logbooks. All right, next topic, spare parts and maintenance. Try to find an aircraft that comes with spare parts and or try to negotiate spare parts and or maintenance in with your price. The more, the merrier. So if, and here's another kind of hack or or not, not really a hack, but something you want to look out for. If there's an aircraft that's been, you know, lifted for a long time, it doesn't always mean that there's something wrong with it and it's unbuyable, right? Maybe it's just been at too high a price or who knows? Maybe the the seller is really picky and they're nostalgic about it or, or I don't know there's there could be many factors so don't if it's been on listed for a long time don't completely rule it out go and you know talk to them and maybe things that don't have an exact dollar sign that the owner hasn't priced in yet maybe you can kind of push those in and someone who hasn't been able to sell their aircraft for a while they might be like okay yeah, I'll do that so it's like what I'm getting at is spare parts If they have a pile of spare parts and if you're just not sure yet but you know that could be the tipping point to make you want to purchase that and also do some research on what these spare, we're going to go over some of these spare parts, but do some research on kind of what these costs. If you, if they say, you know, okay, I have these spare parts and uh, you can purchase those as well. You know, maybe you can do some negotiations. Okay, well, can you include these in, in here? And you got to kind of know what their value is. So some of those parts are like engine parts, like cylinders, piston rings, connecting rods, propeller parts, like blades, hubs control surface parts such as flaps, ailerons, rudders, avionics, like spare radios, GPS units, lights, like nav lights, anti-collision lights, or landing gear lights, and then instruments, you know, airspeed indicator, altimeter, VSI, attitude indicator, fuel gauges, manifold pressure, all that stuff. And it's also a good idea to look how easily and readily available additional spare parts are for your aircraft. If spare parts are hard to come by or expensive because they're rare, This is a big downside. So again, this kind of goes into looking at that 10 year aspect or bird's eye view of the cost, right? This reminds me of when I was buying uh, my first car, you know, everyone said like, you know, don't get certain cars, like German made cars, like don't get a BMW, right? Because parts are so hard to come by, so hard to find a mechanic. They upcharge everything. And so it's kind of like that, right? If you want to buy, like, don't look for something rare and exotic that, you know, they have custom, all these custom made parts. You want to be able to buy it off the shelf, something that you know has a lot of hours of use, you know, it's reliable, you know where you can buy it, you know, you can get it quickly. Stuff like that are things to, to consider. Okay. Number three, consider how you'll pay for it. There are several ways to pay for an aircraft. You could buy it with the funds you already have outright, you know, if you're lucky enough or share the cost with others or you can get a bank loan, you know, interest rates are really high right now. So might not want to do that, but it could be a possibility or you can, you know, maybe you're starting a flight training, a flight training business or something, or a a flight club, you know, and you, you have some funds there as well. What are some of the things, what are some of these options and, and what are some of the things to look out for? So a cost share agreement, let's go a little bit more detail on that. A group of individuals can create a cost share agreement on the aircraft, almost like a timeshare. This is kind of like a a flight club kind of thing, but you can do it with just, you know, a few people. It allows multiple people who want to fly or train to pool their money together while sharing the responsibilities of maintaining and keeping the aircraft airworthy and sharing the ability to use it. The agreement would begin with agreeing on the aircraft to purchase, followed by how much each party will pay to purchase the aircraft. Then an agreement would be made on the recurring costs, right, so the recurring costs for maintenance, parts, storage, documentation, et cetera. You wouldn't include fuel. You know, whoever used it, that's when you would pay the fuel, just when you whenever you used it. Finally, the agreement should include a schedule or loose schedule on who gets to use the aircraft and when. This is usually based off the percentage that each individual has invested in the purchase of maintaining an aircraft. So a simple example is like you have four, you know, three other people that you you know, you like them, you trust them, and you can all let's say find an aircraft for $100,000. You guys can all put in $25,000. And then you suspect that the aircraft is gonna cost $1,000 a month to maintain. So you can each put in $250 a month after that. And you guys each get to use it 25% of the time. You know, you could divide that throughout the year. That, that'd be the next thing you could decide, right? You could say, okay, well, I get these months, you get these months, you get these months. Probably not gonna be like that, right? Probably, I think in a best case scenario, it would just be like everyone kind of tracks when they use it and you guys kind of just make sure that no one is overusing it or something like that. I don't know. That's up to you, but that's kind of the idea of a cost share agreement. And you obviously, you might be thinking, well, okay, well, what if someone overuses it? What if someone doesn't pay? That's why that's kind of tough because you really kind of got to trust the people who you enter the agreement with. So sounds great. But the reason it doesn't happen a lot is just because of that, because there's some buttholes out there that ruin it for everybody. (laughs) But if you find some people, then by all means, that would be awesome. All right, so let's talk a little bit about a loan. So to acquire a bank loan, you will need good credit and good reasoning for your purchase. The worse credit you have, the more good reasons you will need. You can negotiate your interest rate, loan term and down payment with the lender. Obviously the flexibility with interest rates these days are not so great, but you can still negotiate and try and get as low as possible. And the better credit you have, the better you can put up as collateral or down payment, you can have the better that you can make that interest rate. One way to help get your loan approved is show a clear and viable plan for how the loan will be paid off. So if you have excess income, easy peasy, if you don't want to look into leasing the aircraft to a flight school, which is an option, right? You can find a flight school and lease it. So that the the students use it and then you get kicked back on that or a tour company or something like that while you're not using it. So let's say you buy this aircraft with a loan and you're not always going to use it. Let's say you use it for flight training and then that's like four months. And after that, you know, you're only going to fly every other weekend or something like that. When you're not using it, you could have it be used by a flight school or a charter thing. So that would be a way to make some income to pay back that loan and with the right situation you can show the bank a rental income that will offset your loan payments fully or to something much more manageable for your income level now this sounds great right people might think oh it's like you know the housing boom the airbnb you can buy a home and rent it out for airbnb that's great but you want to do your homework on this not every flight school is looking to lease an aircraft right so you got to make sure that there is you do have someone who would do that for you or a charter company They would want to lease your aircraft. You got to kind of have that lined up. And then you have to know the numbers on how much that would bring in on average and stuff like that. And if there's a bad week or a bad month and you don't get any funds in, you know, are you going to be able to pay your loans? You got to be careful, do your homework and think ahead. Don't just think, you know, markets always go up on these sort of things. Things happen, right? Like COVID, for example. Like, I don't know, you know, if you leased it out to a charter company and we had another pandemic and it was shut down. What would happen? Yeah, that's a crazy extreme case, but these are things you want to think about. Another thing to negotiate for is a flexible repayment schedule, which can allow you to make larger payments when either your income is larger or your rental income on your aircraft is larger. For example, your rental income will be lower when you yourself are using it for training, right? Because you're also paying for training. So you can negotiate the first year of the loan term to have lower payments so that you can afford the gas and instructor while you train then after you receive your pilot certificate, you will likely fly less often and can focus more on renting the aircraft out to get more rental income. Similarly, if you plan to become a commercial pilot, you can plan out when you might have that commercial pilot salary and have save larger loan payments for that time. Now this way, that's kind of the old way of thinking when we had interest rates that were really low, right? Now interest rates that are high, that means the longer you take to pay it back, the more interest you're gonna accrue, the more you're gonna pay in the end. So these things like negotiating a loan schedule where you don't pay a lot at the beginning, that's just gonna make it probably take longer for you to pay that off if you're not if you're paying lower amounts, right, at any point in time. So another thing to consider is if you think ahead enough, you can rent it out to a flight school before you start your flight training. So you can get a loan, you can find a flight school or a charter and you can, they will lease it out for you. You can lease it out for them to them for a year or something, pay a good chunk of that loan off, and then you can, again, negotiate, just like you were before, that loan schedule such that you know for the first year, it's gonna be high payments. So you and the income you're getting for that lease are paying that off. And then the next year after that, maybe it's a lower. So while you're flight training it's lower these are things that can be negotiated not it you know depends on where you're getting the loan from but in times like this we got to think creatively So, one last thing when thinking of renting your aircraft out be careful be careful it is not always a profitable endeavor I kinda said this before you need to consider the rental rates you can charge in your area the school or company you rent to and the demand for use in your area do your research by calling and asking a couple flight schools in your area if they're in need of an additional aircraft and how many hours they think they could realistically rent on it per month. Take the amount of realistic hours and multiply it by the rental rate that you receive from the flight school and compare that to the insurance and maintenance costs. For example, if a realistic amount of rental hours is 15 a week for a total of 60 a month and you get $150 per hour from the school renting your aircraft, that is $9,000 in rental aircraft income per month. But make sure to be conservative and think about down months when weather is poor as well. All right. So that was just an example, right? That rental income that you'll get might not be $150 an hour. It might be lower than that. The hours a week might be a lot lower than that, depending on where you are. But the point is what I'm trying to say is you have to do that sort of math. You have to look in that. And you got to think of the worst case scenarios. You got to be conservative. Okay, make sure you guys know to do your homework and don't get yourself in a situation where it's not working out for you and you have this big loan. Alright, step four consider all recurring costs. So once you buy an airplane the costs don't stop. You need to consider the whole picture beyond the purchase price to come up with the average monthly cost to own that aircraft. These costs are loan payments if applicable right if you get a loan, maintenance and the mechanic, spare parts, oil and fuel Uh, You might not include fuel for just the owning of the aircraft that goes into kind of the using of the aircraft and then insurance. So you want to make sure you do your research on all those. And again, come up with that like 10 year view of owning that aircraft. So which includes the initial payment to to own it and then the recurring cost. Make sure that you can afford all that. Step five, buy it. (laughs) That would be pretty sweet, right? I dream of the day I can buy an aircraft. And so, step five is buy it. And I really think if you've done, I don't mean to scare you guys away from this. I just want to make sure you guys don't get into a situation that you can't come out of. So, that's why I'm kind of being down and to the point. But heck yeah, I want you guys to buy aircraft. That would be so amazing. And it is the right situation. It really can be a good financial decision for you. So make sure you do your research and be conservative with your estimates. If you have done all this research, you're conservative and you think you can swing it, congratulations. You're going to own your own airplane and you may just be able to make it an investment while still be able to enjoy it. So if you do it right, if you have the right situation, you do your homework, it can be an awesome, awesome thing to have. You can not only have an aircraft to use once you have your pilot's license, but you can maybe make some money off of it. So anyways, that is the stuff I wanted to share about buying your own aircraft. I think if you have the opportunity to do it, it's a great way to save money on your flight training in the long run, especially if you expect to continue on with flying and flying your whole life. Very, very cool thing to do and very possible if given the right situation. So again, I can't tell you an exact aircraft to buy, you know, the the Cessnas, the, the Piper, Cherokee Warriors, those are really common general aviation aircraft. But then you got some of these newer companies coming on these fancy dancy aircraft that are hard to hard to say no to if you have the money. So it really depends on a lot. depends on how you're going to use it, depends on where you are, depends on the funds you have. So I'm not going to tell you one aircraft, but I just went over the things you should look for and the things you should really do your homework on before you purchase that. Hopefully when you go through all this, you'll kind of know which aircraft you want to get. So thank you guys. I hope that you enjoyed this bonus episode. Next week, we're going to get back to our cross-country planning. We're going to continue on with that navlog we kind of are keeping in our heads. And we're going to find our distances to climb and distances to descend so we can plan out those checkpoints accurately. And we know exactly where we'll be and when we'll be there. All right, so thank you guys for listening and congratulations to those scholarship winners. Again, if you want to have a chance to win that next $1,000 scholarship here in a couple few months, just join the Online Ground School and apply in your welcome email. All right, guys, talk to you later. Hey guys, it's Nick. I wanna take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there. You might be a student pilot that is you know, wondering what to do next, how to get started, or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training, or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training, and you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're looking for a change, something to help get you out of that hurdle. From my own experience in flight training, after three years, five instructors and $22,000 and wanting to quit multiple, multiple times, and then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, don't think, just do? Now, when I heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is brilliant because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now, of course, It's not that we're not thinking, but it's that we understand things like weather, aerodynamics, what our instruments are telling us, what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them. And when we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. Fly a plane for the first time, everything's great and damn. once you get into, you know, bad weather flying or flying at heavy heavily trafficked airports or speaking with ATC for Bravo clearance or cross-country flight planning and flying solo on a cross-country flight, things get a little more advanced. And when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts, you're gonna hit a wall. You're gonna start to get behind the aircraft. And when this happens not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So, most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school. We have all these other responsibilities on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And So, how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern-day student pilot? Well the first way we do that is by keeping ground school interesting. You want to avoid being boring, you want to avoid that burnout, so how we do that is we present our material in multiple, multiple ways and you're actually listening to one of them right now. You can consume our content via this podcast and an audio recording. You can do this while you're running, while you're driving in traffic, again tailoring to that busy part-time student pilot or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned and then finally you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time and then finally you can utilize our group community to form study groups get questions answered 24 7 all of this is tailored for the modern-day student pilot to keep ground school interesting keep it from being boring Keep from having that burnout and to find ways that you can consume the content throughout your busy schedule. And guess what? It works. We've had over 350 student pilots come through, take and pass their FAA exams without a single student failing. That's right. A single student has yet to tell me that they failed either their FAA written or their FAA check ride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts. The way we explain things in plain written English and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested in and you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on Online Ground School, and we'll see you inside the Online Ground School. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.